My name is Jeremy Devins, and welcome back to the Quiet Mind Astrology Podcast. And now we're going to talk about, in this episode, one of the most significant transits of 2024, which will impact all the way until May 2025. And this is the shifting of the nodes of the moon. If you're watching the video, I've got a little example here. It's also on my Instagram page, at Quiet Mind Astrology showing what we're talking about with the nodes. It's basically the relationship of the sun, moon, and earth and their rotational period. And over 18 years, this shifts and a sort of wobble sort of image where the moon is in its eclipse in a certain sign. For the solar eclipse, it's in one sign, and the lunar eclipse, it's in the opposite sign. So this is what we're really talking about in the nodes in today's episode in this big transit as we're tracking the eclipse cycle over 18 years. And when we do this, we see that there are some very clear patterns globally and personally. And I've talked about these many times throughout the history of the podcast. You can go back to past episodes on the Rahu K2 transits over the past 18 months for yourself and see what those patterns have been for you. And you can do this by having your own birth chart, which you can get for free at quietmindastrology.com. Get your free Vedic birth chart. This is different than your Western chart because it's showing where things are astronomically, very close to astronomy. So it's like where the moon actually is, where the eclipse actually took place in astronomy, which is actually not what Western astrology does, which a lot of people don't know. And there's a common misunderstanding about that. Uh, so Western astrology is actually based on the astronomy of 2,000 years ago. It's really based on the seasons of the the four seasons of the year. Uh, so it's a totally different system. But Vedic astrology is tracking what is basically happening in the sky. You can see for yourself with the night sky app or any telescope. And with the eclipses, we're tracking the nodes of the moon over uh, every six months. There's a new eclipse. Every 18 months, the sign that the uh, eclipse happens in is changing. So this is a way to track very significant times of life. They say like in relationships, you should know within 18 months if it's somebody you could marry or not. Now, there's a lot of natural cycles that happen energetically, emotionally, and relationally over 18 months. And it's a really useful time to track certain periods of life and now we are in a new phase, a new period of life that just started on Tuesday, November 28th, and it continues all the way until May 2025. And today I'm going to talk about how this affects you personally, how you can work with this, which is just one of many things that I'll be sharing in Mindful New Year 2024. Enrollment is open now at mindfulnewyear.com or just go to quietmindastrology.com. You'll see the link to Mindful New Year. This is one of my favorite events to offer every year. And we'll be doing it both in person and online this year. One ticket gets you access to both if you're able to join us in Austin, Texas, where I did a lot of my training over the years in yoga and astrology. I'm grateful to be teaching there at one of my old studios I taught at. Uh, so quietmindastrology.com is where you can sign up for Mindful New Year 2024. It's the place to plan your whole year in a day in sync with astrology so you have the calendar of all the events coming up, an overview of how to work with them, lots of cool resources in there. Check it out right now. And there's a special discounted rate if you sign up 
relatively soon. So whenever you're listening to this, just go check it out. And if you miss it, you'll see the waitlist to join next time. Uh, but there's a limited time enrollment for that. So if you're watching the video or just on my Instagram, you see the little depiction of the movement of the earth, moon, and sun to create this uh, shifting of the nodes that we talk about. And now I'll also be sharing the sign-by-sign -sign horoscope. So basically, you just need to know your rising and your moon sign, and you can follow along to see where you'll be impacted by this 18-month cycle. But before I do that, I'm going to just share the general interpretations, which I've done a few times throughout this year, but just to have it all in one place and to review, because it's always good to review these things and sort of sync up with what the energies are that are happening but you also already know this intuitively, and you'll especially know it intuitively for your own signs. But we have K2 moving into Virgo, which we see on the bottom right if you're watching on the video. K2 in Virgo it is at 29 degrees right now because it just went over there a couple days ago. And as always, K2 and Rahu move backwards, unlike any other Graha, because this is tracking essentially the precession of the moon cycle over time. Uh, so it's a different thing. It's not like the other Grahas or planets. And K2 represents your past life karma, what you are coming into this lifetime with, where you can find spiritual moksha or liberation or detachment. And it's where we're drawn to more monastic, sort of solitary, solitude lifestyle, where we cut away what is no longer serving, where we let things go and allow the universe to provide. Rahu, on the other hand, is quite the opposite. Rahu is the north node of the moon. It represents what we are drawn to in this lifetime, where we have passion and sometimes even addiction at its extreme. And it is where we always have energy. So if you ever look at your chart and see where Rahu is, that is a place in your life where you're always going to have a sort of endless power supply to move forward because you can think of it as if you chose to incarnate in this lifetime for a reason and Rahu is showing you where that reason is and you're looking for it and it's elusive because Rahu and Ketu are not actual grahas, not actual planets. They are points along the path of the moon. So they are considered shadow grahas and illusory points. They are actual tracking of movements, but they are not actual grahas like planets that have the gravitational pull to grasp and hold on to things. So they can be elusive and wherever Rahu is, you can be continually wanting more and what else? And there's something more I need. And in the whole mythology of Rahu and Ketu, which I'll just share briefly here, essentially Rahu and Ketu were one being who deceived the uh, sort of higher beings, I'm trying to keep it simple here, uh, to get into this situation where they could drink the nectar of immortality. And they wanted to become immortal, but even though they were a demon trying to sneak into the, the good guys, they were a bad guy. And they went to drink from this cup and this elixir, this uh, the elixir of immortality, and one drop touched their tongue, so they became immortal along with other, like the other celestial bodies like uh, Jupiter, Brihispat, and so on, uh, Shani, Saturn. So they all are grahas, they're all immortalized, and Rahu and Ketu became this as well through drinking this, stealing this elixir of immortality. But as soon as that 
one single drop touched the tongue of Rahu, uh, I believe it was Vishnu, decapitated Rahu to try to stop it, but it was too late. So it became that Rahu was the head of the body, Ketu was the actual body. Both were now immortalized because it was too late, but they were now separated. So that's the mythology of it. And the mythology is not just a random made up story. It's also a way to help us understand what's happening here with these energies. And oftentimes these mythologies are based on the astronomy of what's happening. Again, bigger topic. I go into this more in my mentorship program and other deeper programs I offer. But the short version is that Rahu is the head, K2 is the body. And it's this part of us that wants to figure out a way to get to this immortality or this thing or this thing we really want. And sometimes we're not always in integrity or authentic to do it. We all have this element in us at times, no matter how good we try to be or want to be. It's important to be aware of our shadow side and not pretend it doesn't exist. And Rahu and K2 very much shows us where that is, where we have this, these tendencies that may arise, these shadow tendencies, so we can become aware of them and have a choice around them and not say that we are not that, we can never be that, or, but to be aware that you could be that. You, know, you could become someone who slips into addiction and you lose everything with K2. But that's potential for everybody. And when we have awareness of this and just the truth of the matter, like that is a potential, then we have choice around it. And then it's not such a big deal. It's not something to hide or repress or deny as we often do with our shadows. And then they just become projected and exaggerated onto others. And then we blame others. We fight others instead of fighting the internal battle of becoming aware of our own dark side. And Rahu and Ketu can show us where that is. And on the very positive side of this, Rahu can show where we have passion and drive and ambition and use that for good to help others. And K2 can show us where we have a connection to spirit and letting things go and healthy detachment or aparigraha as taught in the Yoga Sutras. So we now have these two energies moving. So they've been in Aries and Libra for the past 18 months. We've talked a lot about in past episodes. You can go back to the episodes on that, see how it affected you personally. But now Rahu moves to Pisces, K2 into Virgo, starting with Rahu in Revati Nakshatra, K2 in Chitra Nakshatra. We'll talk about what this means on a general level now here. So first of all, K2 being in Virgo in Chitra, this 18-month cycle can be one of the most healing times of your life, especially on a spiritual path. Through practices, your intuition can become incredibly strong. And it works best when you're also embodied and grounded in reality. Chitra means brilliant and bright. K2 is our spirituality. So our spiritual path can become illuminated. We can become brilliant about our spiritual path. You may be drawn to a more monastic, minimalist, or spiritual lifestyle. This is a time where if there's any possessions in your life that are really not in alignment or not serving, it's easier to let them go. K2 detachment lets things go. Virgo is a sign that's really interested in organization, cleanliness, orderliness. So you bring these two together. If it's not serving your order in your life, your saucha, your cleanliness, your santosha, your contentment, it's easier to let it go. There's a great intuition in this time, a great ability to see beyond the surfaces. K2 again goes beyond, it's the moksha, the liberation in the area of Virgo, which is very practical and day-to-day. -day. So we can see 
through the day-to-day -day activities, we can achieve more connection to the spiritual and the divine, especially through like morning uh, dhinacharya, morning practices, morning ritual. Maybe you do meditation, mantra, movement, something that feels like it connects you to spirit over this 18 months, I think is very essential. There's great potential for gaining insights into practical and spiritual aspects of life and kind of seeing your routines from a new perspective. Great opportunity to just let go of any old emotional baggage or unnecessary stuff. Now, some of the potential pitfalls here are that you want to be aware of being too isolated, too detached, too aloof, too lost in your head. And one of the best things you can do for this is embodiment practices like yoga or Tai Chi or body work, something that really gets you into and aware of your physical sensations in your body below your neck. And that's where K2 represents the body. But in some ways, when you don't have a head, the body is just feeling. There's no actual brain to process that. So using, again, the metaphor of K2, what it is, it's a body without the brain. Without the brain, you don't really have this processor of the sensory input. <clears throat> so K2 can represent these times where we transcend the body. And that can be wonderful, and that can be much needed. Especially if you're in situations like depression or abuse where... Uh, and sometimes that's a trauma response too. When people experience physical abuse, they just dissociate from their body and they don't feel it anymore. And if you had that in your past, in your childhood or something like this, that can be a tendency. Uh, the fight, flight, freeze response could be a, or a fawn also, uh, could be a uh, flight or freeze or fawn response is active and sort of habituated in your nervous system. And at this K2 in Virgo time, as you face these practical day-to-day -day matters around health and wellness and finances and daily routines, this dissociative part can become more active if it's in your nervous system, or you can become more aware of it and now have more choice in how to interact with it. You take away the brain, take away the head, and you don't have the sensory processing computer in the brain, you just have the physical body kind of like a puppet that's k2 in one way of looking at it uh, and if you feel this way uh, then there may be some value in finding more embodiment practices or doing more embodiment practices over this time and virgo loves that kind of stuff but k2 just brings a spiritual element to it so now rather than just associating detaching freezing fleeing or fawning in your body it becomes this embodied spirituality through the body you connect to the divine and things like vinyasa yoga are great for this power yoga hatha yoga where you really physically get in the body you're physically present and you're having this sort of sometimes euphoric beautiful experience all these endorphins in the body uh, you can exercise gardening anything physical right it doesn't have to be just a, a practice like yoga uh, but this is one access point to bring out the gifts of this transit there can be some over analyzing some overly critical energy always to be aware of here with k2 in virgo potential for confusion or mental restlessness some impulsiveness and decision making without considering consequences both rahu and k2 are a bit reckless in general they just do stuff and k2 can say well i'm just gonna cut away my job just gonna get rid of my home 
just going to move across the world. And that's that can be wonderful. As myself, I do things like this as well. Uh, but I also put a lot of thought and consideration into it. And with K2 and Virgo, there can be this drive to just go. Just let it go. And that's great. That's wonderful. But also, we can have the grounded, practical what's the step to get there and what what are the steps involved to make this sustainable and how can i do this in a way where it doesn't blow up my life you know so it's possible to make huge changes to let a lot of stuff go but also important to be grounded about it now rahu and ketu are always opposite of each other and we look across the sky from virgo to pisces from the sixth sign to the twelfth sign and we see Rahu is there in Rapati Nakshatra right now. Now the nakshatras, uh, there's 2.5 nakshatras in every sign. These are smaller divisions of the sky, largely based on the moon cycle. Lunar mansion is the literal translation of nakshatra. And the nakshatras give us a lot more detail of what's happening in a transit. And we'll be talking about that a bit over this little review here with Rahu and Revati. Revati is the final of the 27 nakshatras, and Rahu, this driven, passionate, obsessive energy, is here, and Revati represents like a, the accumulation, the summation of knowledge and wisdom. And as we go here, this, this desire to know a lot, to experience a lot, and on a global level, we'll see this with the large language models, the AI developments of these things sort of culminating and collecting all of this wisdom through all of history, all written wisdom in one computer. It's just really incredible. It's, I think we still are, you know, as much hype as AI is getting, I think it's still underestimating just how life-changing it's going to be in the next few years. And with Rahu and Revati, I think there is this summation of knowledge and wisdom that we're acquiring as humanity that we are using now to completely revolutionize all of the world, like all of technology, every job, it's all changing. Uh, I just talked to an Uber driver yesterday here in, in California, uh, and they just got a letter that uh, his truck, he was a truck driver, it's taken off the road uh, because they now have these electric trucks that are going to replace all the drivers. Uh, so truck driving, one of the bigger industries in America, is one of reliable ways to make a, a pretty good income uh, with a lot of work, but still, and th that in whole industry is getting wiped out in California for sure by 2035 uh, and in other places around America as well. But that process is happening now where this accumulation of wisdom, Rahu and Revati, is making it possible to replace a lot of things that we are used to. Moving towards the bigger picture I've talked about over the years, uh, towards the universal basic income, the bas basically like the non-necessity for work that is coming, uh, where it will be more, much more about uh, choice in labor, and not everywhere in the world, not all at once, but especially in America and especially in some more progressively bent cities like or country or states like California, are going to push these kind of things more. Uh, but yes, Rahu and Revati and Pisces, this accumulation of wisdom. So it's a great time for yourself to have some sort of peak experiences. Uh, 
deeper retreats, deeper meditation practices. Also with K2 and Virgo, both of these together are, are very wonderful for doing deeper spiritual practices, deeper connection to the divine, journaling, things that connect you to your accumulation of wisdom. There's going to be a strong pull towards transcendent experiences. Pisces is this imagination, imaginative, dreamy energy. Rahu, this passion. And this can lead you to being very passionate about your visions and your ideals and your values, sometimes to the point of escapism or addiction. So watch out for that. But this is one of the best 18-month cycles of life to go into meditation, retreats, take a sabbatical, do things that get you away from the day-to-day. K2 is where you're coming from, Rahu is what you're moving towards, K2 is in Virgo, coming from this past way of doing things, Rahu in Pisces moving us forward into a new way of doing things, which happened 18 years ago, 18 years prior to that, and we can look back through history to see those patterns as I've talked about before, but today I'm focusing more on the personal stuff, and on a personal level, if there's old ways of doing things that aren't working anymore, it's going to be real hard to hold on to them and you're going to feel incredible resistance in your body to try to force those things to work again. Uh, it's this shifting of tides. Uh, I, I'm thinking a lot recently about cause and effect and I don't think of planets as cause in our lives as effect. I think of planets as indicators, as markers of energies they are having some cause, right? So I'm not saying entirely no cause. Like the moon obviously affects the tides on the earth. The sun obviously affects the photons on earth. And we're talking about the science of light, Jyotish. So the sun is the provider of the light. The planets all receive that illumination of the light. So we are feeling those effects for sure. We're feeling the effects of gravity. Objects that are more dense have a stronger gravitational pull. Uh, it's one of the most important metaphors for life, by the way, especially if you run a business. Objects that have more density have more gravitational pull and thus more impact on things around them. Think of uh, people, companies, anything in your life, uh, <laughs> a tree, you know, but obviously a planet has huge density and that has effect on the gravitational pull of the earth and we feel the effects of the planets. But more than cause and effect, I think of the planets as markers. They're indicators of energies that are shifting regardless. So we are moving in this time, this Rahu and Pisces time, where we are all going to be drawn to new ways of thinking, going outside the box, exploring new ways of uh, dreaming, imagining things that are possible in the world. Some great time for visioning and spending time to connect to your vision and reshape your life and create that sort of density in the places that you do want to create it as you move into these new phases of life. There is increased intuition, this connection to higher realms. It's great for spiritual and artistic pursuits, any sort of creative work. It's a great time for enhanced compassion and empathy and doing work that requires that, like therapy or healing modalities. Great time for exploring mystical and metaphysical realms, astrology, tarot, crystals, body work, energy work, light work. These kind of things are all very, very favorable over this 18 months. The risk here is becoming ungrounded, losing your focus and having major losses if you're not getting help and support to see the shadow elements here at play. 
Again, we all have them. Just like every atom in your body has a proton, electron, and neutron, as below, so above, and everything in our lives, every transit of the planets and grahas has this potential positive, negative, and neutral effect. And we don't want to just focus on the negative, like in ancient India, often they did. Just tell me the bad stuff. We don't want to just focus on the positive, like some people may do sometimes. And even, I find this very helpful. I find it useful uh, to focus on more the positive than not. But I also find it even more helpful to be aware of both. Because when things are hard, it can feel discouraging, right? If you just focus on the positive, this is supposed to be good. It's supposed to have all this imagination and let all the bad stuff go. And it's supposed to be on these retreats and doing this meditation practice. But my mind won't shut up. <laughs> and uh, I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling uh, behind. I'm not able to do this. I don't think I'm ready. How can I afford this? All these voices, you know, all this stuff can go through the mind. And then it can feel like you're not enough or you're not doing it right. Or other people seem to have it together. You look on social media and you, that's all you see are people's highlights reels. Uh, and you can start to get into all that. You know, that's very important to have good mental hygiene, to be aware of those things. And notice when you're projecting, when you're labeling, when you're judging, when you're criticizing, when you're not just being vulnerable and authentic. You know, that's what it all comes down to. Just be authentic, be vulnerable, be yourself. You don't need to impress anybody. You don't need to correct anybody. You don't need to change anybody. Uh, we all have this p capacity to connect to the sort of still quiet voice within, the Atman, the true self, and act from there. And when we do, we can see there's possible positive and negative expression of anything. Yeah, I can see it this way, but I could also see it that way. And not from a victimized perspective, not from a yeah, I know, it's supposed to be this way, or whatever, but to actually embody this surrender of, no, this is just reality, you know, I'm not trying to make myself right or wrong, or someone else right or wrong, I'm not trying to have all the answers, uh, and it's okay if I make mistakes, it's okay if things don't work out sometimes, it's okay, uh, I'm human, you know, we're just all learning and growing together. So Rahu and Pisces can give us this really grounded spiritual perspective of things but the grounding is not so strong here with the rahu k2 axis so doing grounding practices and kind of making that an, uh, an intention and uh, something we actually put effort towards is important because it can be an ungrounding time otherwise take extra care of your health including your digestion especially your agni your digestive fire talked about Ayurveda on a recent episode. It's one of the most useful tools to keep the fire strong in the belly, which keeps the mental clarity, keeps the body strong. Uh, I think one other uh, recommendation I can make there is the Huberman Lab podcast. I love that show. And I think he talks a lot very well about like fasting and nutrition and things like this. But from the Ayurvedic perspective, which he doesn't talk about, is basically we fast every day. You don't need to do some fancy intermittent fasting. You can if you want, or one meal a day, or these complex things. Like Ayurveda is very simple. It's like you have breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and breakfast is where you break the fast, right? So you have your dinner by like five, breakfast around nine, seven, eight, nine or so. So you're getting like 12 to 14 hours of a fast every day if you eat this way. Eat your biggest meal at lunch, Simple stuff, right? Simple, grounded, practical stuff. Drink water, about half your body weight in ounces every day. 
This all is just super basic and simple, but can keep us grounded and bringing out the best of this transit because the best of it is it is super spiritualizing and connecting to the divine and spiritual realizations and insights, huge intuitions, huge downloads. But we need like a clear vessel for that stuff to come through, and that's our body. And that can be uh, easy to lose in this transit in a way, like losing that connection. So embodiment practices, grounding with the food, diet, and exercise can all help tremendously. There's potential for escapism or delusional thinking. There is a risk of feeling lost or disoriented. There can be impulsiveness in spiritual practices and challenges in balancing this out of the dreamy, elusive, spiritual nature of things that is very open. The door is very open. All right, if you want to explore this stuff, it's very open during this 18-month cycle. And as we go back through history, there are sort of spiritual awakenings that can happen in society at this time, and concepts that were once sort of esoteric and maybe even uh, ascetic or extreme in some ways, become a little more accessible or a little more well-known, like the popularization of yoga and meditation and breathwork practices. And I think this can bring about personally just huge personal growth. I think it's a wonderful, amazing time to get to uh, explore these things and make the most of it, but just keep the embodiment in check as well. So now as we look at the sign-by-sign -sign version of this, we go to the North Indian style chart, and we're going to start with Aries, Ascendant, and go through all 12 signs. So you just need to know your moon sign and your rising sign. You see here, moon is in Gemini, Aries as ascendant in this particular chart at this moment. So listen to both the ascendant and the moon because those gives you a very clear direction of what major themes are going on in your life and how to work with this transit. So for Aries, ascendant, and moon, this affects your 12th and 6th houses. You see Rahu in the 12th, K2 in the 6th. Opportunities for inner growth and self discovery are enhanced. Great time for connecting with a broader spiritual community, potentially traveling overseas, going on retreats working with foreign countries, foreign people, people foreign for, to your birth home. There is potential for confusion and uncertainty in personal goals. So having some sort of mentorship or guidance or help with clarifying your goals can be really helpful. There can be great spiritual insights here and it's a great time for doing dream journaling, going on retreats, going to ashrams, going into deep meditation, taking a sabbatical, taking vacation, time to connect to spirituality. You can become overly idealistic at this time and feel ungrounded, be too critical of yourself and others, and you can be easily influenced by external factors. So think of having a spelunker, right? You go into a cave, you have a spelunker, somebody who can pull you out of the cave. So if you go into these spiritual paths, have somebody who can pull you out if you go too far. This is a genuine risk to be aware of any kind of spiritual work, it can be very vulnerable, very uh, open, and sometimes very difficult to process and digest what happens, especially if you're working with psychedelics or any sort of medicines like this. So it's very important to have somebody like a spelunker that you could talk to and say, hey, I'm feeling a little lost here. What's going on? Uh, you, you make some big life change. You let some things go. Who do you have to talk to who can help you out, whether it's a friend, therapist, family member, spouse, uh, having that can be super valuable for Aries ascendants and moons. 
for Taurus, Ascendant, and Moon, this is affecting your 11th and 5th houses. You see K2 in the 5th, Rahu in the 11th. And this is a time where it can be great for expanding your social networks and connections, going out meeting new people. You'll likely meet lots of new people. Good time for travel as well, connecting to different groups and networks that you're interested in. Opportunities for being involved in humanitarian efforts and group activities increase at this time, especially ones that are tied to a vision or ideals that you have. And there can be great intuitive and empathic abilities among you and your friends and support each other in this way. There's a risk of feeling overwhelmed or drained by social obligations, and you may have a tendency to be easily influenced by group opinions. There's a potential for misunderstanding or miscommunication in social circles. And with K2 being in the fifth house, there can be a lot of luck in the spiritual realm of meeting great teachers, going to the right retreats, being in the right place at the right time. It also can mean that there's some important parts of your creative expression that need to change. Let go of your ego and gripping onto the way things should be so you can express from a more open, divine sort of part of yourself. For Gemini, rising and moon, this affects your 10th and 4th house. These are the Kendra houses. The, these four houses in the middle are the Kendra houses. They are the most significantly impacted areas of your life. Rahu in the 10th, representing your dharma, your career. Ketu in the 4th, your home and family. And if you're a mother or your own mother and your property as well. So this is a big transit and it can often make big changes to your career and your home. There's an enhanced focus on your career and your public recognition. Or maybe now you want to increase your visibility. Maybe hire a publicist or work with a marketing team. Or do things that increase your outreach and ability to connect with others. There's opportunity for career advancements and recognition where you maybe you find new roles to play in your work and new levels of people appreciating you and acknowledging you. It's favorable for aligning your personal goals and your professional aspirations. It brings a strong awareness of your home life and your work life and how they impact each other, sometimes more overlap or less, but you may be drawn to more in the work life. There's potential here for feeling overwhelmed by your career responsibilities, tendency to be overly ambitious and risk burnout, and there's risk of conflicts or misunderstandings with authority figures. Burnout's a big risk here, especially for use Gemini Ascendant, and especially with things that are just kind of in the sky, like your ideals and values, and you're not quite sure how to pin it down of what to do. And you feel overwhelmed, like you could always be doing more, but you're never doing enough. So the more you can pin it down into the practical of step-by-step -step how to achieve what you want, the better. For Cancer Ascendants and Moons, this is affecting your ninth and third houses. This brings an increased opportunity for higher education if you're considering going back to college or getting a degree or some letters behind your name. This is good. Favorable for travel and exploring different belief systems, maybe new ideas, new philosophy books, Maybe you want to get into different religions or spiritual paths. Great time for expanding your philosophical and spiritual horizons. Maybe trying new paths, getting some new perspectives, new ideas. And whatever ones you already are into, going much deeper in them. And this is a big drive to accumulate wisdom, accumulate experience in these areas. 
there can be some restlessness and dissatisfaction with current knowledge. Like you feel like there's something you're missing and there's something more. And no matter how much more you do, there's more. It's almost as if you're eating at a buffet and you're never fully satisfied. But the buffet in this topic is your spiritual path and religious path. There can be risk of misunderstandings or conflicts in educational pursuits and potential for over-idealizing belief systems leading to disappointment at the end of this transit in May 2025. So you want to watch out for that sort of idealistic, childlike, put everything, put all your faith in this one path, and then feel disappointed and discouraged that it's not exactly what you thought. Be realistic, be honest with yourself, know that nobody, no path is infallible, in my opinion. I know some say that they are. <laughs> which is a big red flag. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's like all the other paths are wrong, but this path is right. And <laughs> I'm, I'm really amused by that right now for some reason. Uh, but, you know, if the path says that their path is infallible and all others are wrong, uh, it's worth exploring if that is really true or not. <laughs> Uh, it's uh, it's a funny thing, you know, it's like, how do you know you're infallible? Because we say we are. Okay. Why do you say we are? Because we are. Okay. Circular logic. You want to be careful for things like that. Circular logic, uh, deception, deceit, these kind of things around beliefs that just say it's the only way to do it. Uh, but Rahu also could have this elusive nature of like, well, it's not this, it's not that. What about this? What about that? Just relax, you know, it'll be okay. You don't need to have it all like perfectly figured out. And in fact, you know, it's all, if you want to just zoom out a lot, it's all going to be swallowed by the sun eventually. So uh, we can say that, you know, probably. <laughs> Maybe that's not infallible either, uh, but that's likely what we're moving towards. So while we're here on earth, you know, let's be connected. We're social mammals. Let's be interactive. Let's help each other. Let's connect with each other. We don't need to get too caught up in what a book said thousands of years ago and whether that's the right way or your book is the right way, uh, in my opinion, in my opinion. But overall, uh, this can be a very good time for healing uh, spiritually and personally and really wonderful transit for a lot of personal growth and learning a lot, tons of education and tons of uh, potential for travel and getting to meet new people, learn new ideas, new philosophies, learn new skills and learning more spiritual skills as well. For Leo, Ascendant, and Moon, this transit is affecting your 8th house and 2nd house, as you see Rahu in the 8th, K2 in the 2nd. Now this is so wonderful for learning about astrology and finding out the secrets of life and uncovering all these mysteries. Great for deepening emotional connection in your partnerships. Great for opportunities with financial collaborations and joint ventures and increasing your income through unearned means. Like somebody just gives you money or wants to invite you on a cool cruise or they just want to help you out. There's potential for intense emotional experiences in partnerships that can be intensely healing or intensely dramatic. There is increased focus on transformation and regeneration and a lot of deep growth. Potential of power struggles in financial matters and shared resources and potential of conflicts with in-laws. For Virgo, rising and moon, this affects your seventh and first houses, brings an enhanced focus on your partnerships and your relationships. 
and you have opportunities for personal growth through collaborations and this is favorable for developing more balanced and harmonious connections and figuring out how to have the best possible connection there is potential for feeling overwhelmed or dependent on others there's a tendency to be easily influenced by your partners and a risk of conflicts and misunderstandings in relationships and it could be a sense of like losing yourself like who am i anymore and you got to rediscover that and continually and it's going to remain a bit elusive throughout the whole transit where you're just shedding layers of ego and becoming more and more an expression of the divine in the channel it's again in the kendra houses so this is a really big life-changing transit whenever ketu and rahu go over the first fourth seventh or tenth houses this is one of the most life-changing times to go through totally revolutionizing yourself and your relationships now libra ascendant and moon this affects your sixth and twelfth houses k2 in the 12th house is one of the best places it could possibly be and it's going to bring about great potential for spiritual experiences retreats going to foreign countries learning about religion and spirituality great time for time in meditation and solitude opportunities for improving your work efficiency and routines improving your daily habits rahu in the sixth is a wonderful place to be where you get really focused on your health and your discipline and you want to take really good care of yourself but there is a potential risk of stress or health-related issues and uh, this elusive nature with health where if you have some sort of symptom, you go to a doctor, they don't know what it is, you go to someone else, they say something else. You want to be careful with this around your health and who you trust with your health because you could get a lot of mixed opinions and it can become very elusive and difficult to pin down exactly what's happening. But if you have good routines and habits, it can be really helpful. Just want to be aware of any sort of hypochondria or worry or difficult to diagnose diseases that can come up at this time and know that they will likely pass and if you're just focusing on your health habits you'll probably be fine there can be also some misunderstandings with work colleagues and in the workplace and just stay out of the drama you know this can be a time where you get kind of sucked into the drama at the workplace and he said this and she said that and can you believe and blah 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 <laughs> and uh, Rahu and Six can do this sometimes because the sixth house is the workplace, it's your where you are day by day, which is often the workplace. And Rahu is a obsessive nature, uh, but it's a good time on the positive to just envision what you want in your work. Envision that and hold to that vision. For Scorpio Ascendant and Moon, this is affecting your fifth and eleventh house. We see Rahu in the fifth, K2 in the eleventh. This brings enhanced creativity and self-expression. Wonderful time for creating published works, books, podcasts, magazines, journals, anything that you're creating in the world, art pieces, and putting it out there. Time with children as well. Connecting on a more deeper imagination level, like in the childlike wonder with your kids or with your own creative projects. Opportunities for expanding artistic pursuits and hobbies. And this is favorable for deepening your romantic and creative connections. Romance, the fifth house, also represents romance and dating. So you can go on to some really magical experiences in romantic relationships. Favorable for uh, all sorts of creative potential, all sorts of creative work. K2 in the 11th house is often seen in charts of people who are incredibly wealthy. Not so obvious of a prediction, but very common. K2 represents detachment and letting things go. 11th house represents your gains from income and from your work. 
And K2 also represents sort of past life, good karma, past life, not necessarily good karma, but any karma. Uh, and that it's like, you just sort of expect that thing to be there. So in a way you could end up increasing your income. Like it's just, it's just there. And there's people there, there's opportunities, there's connections there. It's just there. And you don't have to really strive and fight for it so much. There can be a, an intensity and a demanding nature in relationships to watch out for with this. And there can be some misunderstandings in romantic matters and kids issues and some elusive issues with children if you have them. Uh, or a strong drive if you're thinking about having kids. This is the time where you can become very passionate about it and learn a lot and uncover a lot about what that involves and the logistics of all this. Uh, but with your, if you have kids already, uh, be careful with uh, any sort of obsession of, of the child, like of what they get super into, support it, but also like help them stay grounded in managing their expectations and values around these things. Sagittarius Ascendant in the Moon, this affects your fourth and tenth houses, the Kendra houses, one of the biggest transits you can go through. Brings an increased focus on your home and your family matters. If you can work from home at this time, very good. If you can spend more time with your family, very good. Opportunity for real estate investments and property dealings and things that can maybe like a retreat center or a place out in nature, a place that's more remote can be very favorable at this time. A good time for building stable and supportive home environment and having an altar in your home, bringing foreign items into your home, maybe going on travels around the world, bringing items back into your home, into your sacred space. It's important if you don't already to have a sacred space in your home, especially in this time. You may feel less uh, drawn towards work, less ambitious about work. Like you want to go and do the work, get it done, but also not spend too much of your time and energy there, but also have time at home and to take care of yourself. There still can be a hardworking nature. You can still get a lot done and even achieve great fame and success in this time. But there's a healthy level of detachment here that can become an unhealthy level where you just are like, ah, I don't want to do it anymore and you just kind of give it up. Where this can be helpful is you just have a detachment from your work and maybe multiple projects that you do where you can go into that one, go into that one, take some time off this one, time at home, time for this project. That can be really beneficial use of this 18 months. You could feel restricted or burdened by domestic responsibilities on the negative side of this and be overly idealistic about your home. Uh, so having some sort of support or help around managing that can be helpful, like therapy or counseling, because this can be a little intense in the home at times. For Capricorn Ascendant and Moon, we have Rahu and Ketu affecting your third and ninth houses. This brings enhanced communication and networking abilities, opportunities for short distance travel and skill development, and it's favorable for building practical and useful connections in your life. One of the best transits for marketing, business, and skill acquisition. Anything you want to learn, now is a great time to do it. Now, on the, pot, on the negative side, there can be some misunderstandings or conflicts in communication in general. And some miscommunications are just one of the big things to watch out for here. And if so, maybe take a step back and sort of come back to it when you have cooler head. There could be a tendency to be overly critical or nitpicky in your daily interactions and harsh on others, especially people who are on a spiritual path. 
And if there's anybody you've got on a pedestal, you're going to want to knock them down. So be careful with this uh, because you, there's no reason to put anybody on a pedestal other than you know needing to learn that lesson in life. But if there is someone you have on a pedestal now, it's likely that you're going to knock them down and you're going to feel discouraged and you're going to feel disappointed and it's not going to feel great for them either. So uh, the sooner you can just be aware of that pattern, the better. Uh, everyone goes through this cycle in some form when we have the K2 over a ninth house transit. So don't take it personally or anything. But it, what this does is it takes them off the pedestal and puts spirit back into its right place of awareness of energy, awareness of all beings, awareness of all things, and how you can best navigate this and use your practices especially to connect to that rather than needing someone else to bring you there or go through someone else. You see, they're just another person. They're just another channel. They're just helping you see it yourself so that you can take them off the pedestal and just see it, the, the light, the path, the truth, the knowledge, the wisdom in yourself. And that's all anybody can ever do is be a guide and a reflection to help you find that in yourself and maybe support you and help you in some way. Uh, but overall, this can be a great time for learning spiritually and religiously and about values and going on some sort of spiritual travel is very favorable like going to a retreat going to time in nature taking a sabbatical very favorable for this aquarius ascendant and the moon this affects your second and eighth houses and this brings an increased focus on financial stability and resource management with rahu in the second uh, around the house of wealth and k2 in the house of shared resources you are learning how to create more financial stability and resources in your life. You're learning opportunities for practical and disciplined financial planning. And having a good vision helps tremendously here. Good time for building a more stable and secure financial foundation and family foundation and managing family assets. There is potential for financial stress or unexpected expenses or sudden losses through the partner or the partner's finances. So let's say you are a married couple, your partner has a job, maybe something happens where that job is now being eliminated. So you prepare for this, you have finances and savings, you have money planned out, you have a plan. Rahu in the second puts a financial plan in place, regardless of what happens. Now it might not be that intense or that dramatic, it might be that your partner is, or because it's shared resources. It may be that your partner's circumstances change, so your access to those those resources change as well. And there's maybe a loss in some form. K2 offers, often represents some sort of loss, and eighth house is this shared resources. So you find a way to plan ahead and have resources available so it's not a big deal. That's Rahu in the second. And also K2 in the eighth brings a huge drive towards spiritual practices, Ayurveda, yoga, any sort of astrology, things like this. So very good time for learning about this and very good time for finding like transcendence, liberation through these deeper occult studies. And finally, we have the Pisces Ascendant and moon where this is affecting your first and 12th house the kendra houses for you this is one of the most significant transits of life that we go through when rahu and k2 are in the first and seventh houses this is a great time for enhanced self-expression and creativity and opportunities for personal growth and development are abundant favorable for building confidence and asserting your individuality 
is the time where you really want to know who you are and establish that and be firm in it and own it. And now this is your identity and you've worked hard, you, you've gone through these cycles, you've established, this is who you are. Healthy sense of ego. Ego is always temporary, it's always going to be taken down at some point, but there is a healthy sense of ego in interacting in the world that is necessary. To say, this is who I am, this is what I value, this is what I want to create, this is how I can help and serve. These are the kind of things, these themes that are coming up over this next 18 months of where you're clarifying what you stand for and who you are and what you value. And it's very empowering, very freeing, very liberating. And then K2 and the seventh is showing where your relationships require some level of spiritual connection and some level of letting go of what is not authentic. And there could be huge personal growth for yourself, but also for your partnership and how you show up to partnership. And as you build your own inner confidence, you can relate to others in a more whole way, not needing something from them, not expecting from them, not feeling incomplete without them. Now, this could lead to some misunderstandings and self-expression and being overly assertive and dominant and saying it has to be this way and become controlling. And then other people feel sort of uh, deterred or turned off by this. There can be a tendency to be overly self-centered or egocentric. Obviously, you go too far in that assertiveness and control and awareness of self and it becomes egocentric. And there is a risk of feeling overwhelmed by personal expectations and goals. And you might have all this clarity of like who you are, what you value, what you want. And now you become rigid about this, which is just not in the nature of Pisces Ascendant. And it's this dissonance that happens sometimes. And Pisces is depicted as two fish swimming in opposite directions. And really there's this dual nature that you could say it's this or that, or I'm this or that. And you really can be a very dynamic, changeable person. So there's times where you may go through phases of wanting to be this very assertive, dominant person. And this is one of those where you, you clarify like how to balance those things. And you learn that you can be assertive and easy. You can be clear in who you are without needing to cut others away. You can be whole and complete in yourself and respect someone else's being whole and complete in themselves and you maybe being very different people but still friends or partners or family members. So it's a really huge, profound, life-changing, life-lesson kind of transit that can really bring a lot of healing to yourself and your relationships that is wonderful to get to go through. And it will have its challenges and ups and downs. Uh, and you may feel this desire to flee and push away relationships at times but overall, uh, this is spiritualizing yourself and your relationships. So you see that you're human, they're human, and you find the underlying spiritual thread, the Atman and yourself and within them, that you can connect on that level of you're both just going through the journey together. And you can see how you can best serve each other and support each other in that and know where you need your space and your separation and where they may need theirs. So lots of growth, lots of spiritual growth, huge lessons in this transit, great time to be alive. <laughs> uh, so that is our look at all of the transits, uh, all of the Rahu K2 transits for all the ascendants and moons. Again, if you didn't listen to both, go back to listen to your ascendant and your moon sign. Listen to ones for your friends and family members, people close to you, helps you understand them and what they're going through. And then Again, we've got this transit going on for 18 months until May 2025. So these are the energies that are present. 
And if you want to know about all the energies present throughout 2024, go to quiet where you can sign up for the mindful new year, 2024 live workshop. It's both in person and online. You get access to it live in the recordings and lots of other resources to help you make this your best year ever. I love doing this workshop. It's one of my favorite things. I use the resources every single week that I make in this program. And I hear this from people all the time that they're looking at these resources all year long as they're making plans and changing their week and their schedule and everything. Super useful stuff to know all the trends that's happening. That's Mindful New Year. That's at quietmindastrology.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, also leave a review, leave a rating, share it with a friend. And we'll talk about the December 2023 horoscope as we close out the year and go into Mindful New Year. So that's the next episode. So stay tuned. Quiet Mind Astrology Podcast. Thank you for listening and look forward to sharing more with you next time.